Hi everybody and welcome back to In The Weeds podcast. This week I am going in the weeds with Louise King, hairless hairdresser and founder of Wilderness Hair. So I was actually Louise cuts my hair, funnily enough, and it was when I went in first into a salon, I was bowled over about the stuff that they were doing. And if you go in there, you see stoves, growing herbs. And we talk a lot about the crossover industry with, with these raw cooking methods. That's something that are unique and that I think you'll see a lot more of in the future. Really, really interesting. I found out a lot just from this podcast about herbalism and how we can we can help ourselves and care for the environment. So we hear Louise's story. And again, she's another twin parent like myself. Uh, twins are the same age and we discuss the demands of multiples. And I think people will resonate with that who are in lockdown with kids of various ages, I'm sure. But anyway, uh, Louise's ultimate passion obviously is herbalism and that's the main part of the show. Uh, so please enjoy. Thanks for listening as always once again and love to hear your feedback. Stay safe. Thanks, guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to In The Weeds podcast. I am joined by Louise King, founder of Wilderness Hair and folk herbalist hairdresser. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, really good. Well, listen, thanks for coming on. Um, see a bit of background into it. You, you have started uh, cutting my hair, basically, I don't know, yeah. maybe about a year ago. Obviously, your your salon is very holistic, especially when you walk in, it kind of hits you. And obviously, we got talking about a lot of things that we're both interested in, which kind of merges a lot of things together. Do you want to just explain a little bit about how you started Wilderness Hair first? And Yeah, so um, I've been a hairdresser now in the industry for 21 years and just got a bit bored, really, and a bit fed up. I started to live a more holistic approach to my lifestyle. and. When I was in my last pregnancy, I just started to be a lot more mindful and getting sustainability and exploring plant-based lifestyle. And it had a knock-on effect of my job when I started looking into what I was putting inside my body through food. Because you start naturally looking at chemicals and toxic products and stuff like that. It's a bit, it's a bit like, you know, when you do too much research and then it starts to damage, you can know too much. And that's exactly what happened. So it really affected um, my job and the way I done my job because I wanted to live a certain way, but my job wasn't um, helping me live that lifestyle. So I decided to leave the hairdressing industry because of how toxic the chemicals were that one, I was putting on to people and two, that I was working with, breathing in and had been at this point for 18 years. So it's quite alarming. But I missed it. I was off away for two years, tried to break into hospitality, which is just absolutely bonkers. I think we had to have two years. Oh, my God. Yeah, definitely not cut out for hospitality at all. I don't even know why the cheek of me thinking I could just do it. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just you've got to have some skill to do that job. And I, you know, started to really miss hairdressing and very quickly realised from opening a little cafe bar that the hospitality was not my strong point so I went and sold it 10 months later couldn't wait to get rid of it and um, opened wilderness salon with a different angle an angle that made me feel a lot more comfortable coming back to the hairdressing industry and that is producing my own products and um, that I have complete control over what goes in so it's a lot safer for me and my clients to work with so you know you said about toxic elements in in the products mm-hmm. is that kind of I know you've mentioned to me before about being controlled by maybe certain... Bigger brands. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of carcinogenic chemicals, you know, 
there's a there's a chemical I really despise called sodium lauryl sulfate. Um, and I just don't think that that has a place in our hairdressing industry. And it's in so many hair care products, more like your shampoos. And sodium lauryl sulfate is, it's a detergent. And that's filled up sometimes at 80% of the bottom of your shampoo. So it's just pure detergent. Long distance lorry drivers use sodium lauryl sulfate to clean their windscreens to get the bugs off. It's cheap as chips and that's why it's in there. But you know, someone sent me a link a couple of weeks ago and it was a scientist doing studies into um, brain cells and looking inside the brain. And they were actually using sodium lauryl sulfate to pop onto the brain to kill the brain cells oh. while they've done their investigation. And that's in our shampoo. And, you know, there's, there's other alternatives out there. So these big brands use the, the cheap products to whack the prices up and, you know, because it's profit in mind. And I just think it needs to be a lot kinder. And then, you know, a lot of people take shampoo and, you know, we 90% of the population will shampoo. And I think the statistic is something like the UK alone in between 2018 and December 2019 spent just under £500 million on shampoo. That's not even conditioned. That's just shampoo. That's how many people are shampooing their hair. And when you start looking at that statistic and then you start looking at the chemical exposure to all them people, and not even the chemical, but it's the plastic bottles as well. That is, you know, it's, you just start, you're open, you literally can scratch under the surface and you're in this whole world of, oh, what is going on here? And I don't believe the cosmetic industry gets as much rap as it should do, like the food industry. Mm-hmm. It's a whole war against the food industry. And rightly so, in some parts, things need to change. The food industry are doing it and they're making changes where they can. The cosmetic industry are just like sitting like a silent little thing in the corner, like, oh, don't look at us. And they are just as, as toxic and just as, you know, um, unkind to the planet as other like fashion and stuff like that. They're making changes, but I just don't feel like the cosmetic industry is doing enough. So um, by exposing it, hopefully you make change. And by producing a salon like Wilderness that is as self-sufficient as we can be, making our own products, being educational, caring about people's health grow to grow in our own plants that we put in our products now we can prove that we can make a change because we're still delivering that good hair care but in this salon that people actually want to visit and see so the, the you'd be cutting out the toxic chemicals by doing it this way yeah it's half the result you know i wanted to speak to i was like you say it's quite you know it's all in the press regarding food industry you know yeah raw element you know, waste, sustainability. But it was the first kind of experience I had with it once I actually came into your salon. See, you see a little bit, but not to the extent you're talking about in, in a complete mindset about not using any of these products at all. Yeah, and I think as well, a lot of it comes from a, a blueprint, taking it from the food industry and looking how they're doing it and knowing that change can happen. So, like, when you look at products, they have, like, fruit extract in or, you know, seaweed extract. And there's a reason why that's there, because because it works. So, why can't we can do this ourselves? So, you know, we can use the fruit extract and make products ourselves. And having that vision and going, it can be done because the food industry have done it. We use that as a blueprint in our salon and we, we are not having that chemical in our salon. How do we go around it? We've got to try and make our own or find an alternative or we just cut it out and find something completely different. So we do use a lot of the food industry as a guide to what's going on there and and we put it into a hairdressing industry, which 
you know, it's not being done before. So it's it's exciting as well for clients to come in and be like, wow, this is great. Very you good. can eat my products. And you really? Yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, you can eat some of my products. Yes, it's food grade. We don't use preservatives in anything that we make in the salon mm-hmm. because we don't need to because we make fresh batches every day. But as we start to go now and sell online and start to push in, the products out through the rest of the UK, we have to use preservatives. But we're, we're using food grave preservatives and stuff like that because, you know, there's preservatives can be quite dangerous if you're using cheap crap ones. You know, um, you've got preservatives that just don't need to be around. Mm. We're, so we, we, we're experimenting loads with food preservatives and stuff like that because it has to, it, it will go off. You don't want to make a bunch no. of conditioner every time you shampoo your hair. So if you go back, like, you know, obviously now, it, like a lot of industries controlled by a lot of larger companies, what before, you know, I don't know, 1900s or whatever, how did, did people start washing their hair? What did they but this is the thing, you don't actually need to wash your hair. Mm. We don't actually need shampoo. And, you know, saying that to people, they're like, what? Because there's so conditioned and controlled. Yeah. Um, but years ago, no, they didn't. They didn't shampoo. Your hair will naturally shampoo itself. Your hair will is self-cleaning. So you do, and this is why I say to you, Matthew, don't shampoo your hair if you don't need to, because it's so thick and it'll take on a life of its own. But your hair will clean itself. But when we're looking more in like Middle East and stuff, they're using clays from the air, like what we do. So we take influences from around the world and we explore what they used to do a long time ago and bring it into a modern day setting. So the main ingredient in our shampoo is an ingredient called Rasul clay, which is clay from the Atlas Mountains. And when you look at the the amazing like mineral content of shampoo and what it does, it's a healing clay. Um, so and that will shampoo your hair. We don't need shampoo to foam, but we're all addicted to foam. <laughs> we're all completely addicted to it. We don't need our hair should never feel synthetic like it's been conditioned. That's not how it's natural and to be, but that's what we want. So we're trying to find the balance in wilderness of of educating people, using it as minimum as possible, but giving them results that you desire from, you know, the silicone effect here. So yeah, so years ago they didn't shampoo the hair mm-hmm. to answer the question. They didn't they didn't use the shampoo your hair. So, you know, if you if you do want to shampoo your hair but you don't um, you don't fancy not, you know, cleaning it yourself and you want to go more natural, collect some conkers in awesome time. Conkers, I've got something inside called sapons, sapons, or sapons, I never pronounce it. Mm. And that is a, the earth's natural cleanser. So if you peel them, crush them, uh, roast them, and then you put like boil them, put, like so you get a jar then. I'd say about three, four hundred conkers are last year of the year is shampoo. So it's free. Take some out when, as and when you need them, put them in a pan, bring them to the boil, release the sap out of them. You can shampoo your hair with that. Really? You can also shampoo. Yeah, yeah, you can shampoo your hair. You can shampoo your clothes with it as well. So people use soap nuts. Conkers are the UK's version yeah. of soap nuts. Soap nuts don't grow in the UK. They grow in Indonesia and in a hot tropical climate. So if you're trying to be sustainable, soap nuts aren't the answer. Let's use what the UK gives us. And in fact, I think conkers work better. So have a little, you know, next time more some comes, collect your conkers, dry them out, get them in a jar, you can wash your clothes with them. Brilliant, brilliant on white clothes. <laughs> That's cool. Comes up loads now, especially in podcasts like merging of industries and like, yeah, you know, like things crossing over, especially in life and the way the way society's set up. Obviously, this is a yeah. pet example of it. 
So this is kind of then, like you say, you're growing, but you're also cooking. Oh yeah, so we cook in the salon. Yeah. Um. So when you come into our salon, you'll see a stove, and people are just like what, and you'll see the alchemy of what we're doing. So you know, you'll come over, and if you you know a completely new experience, we'll take you over to the cooker, and you'll start to watch us cook your products in front of your eyes on the stove. So you have seen exactly what has got into that product. You have have complete control over what you put on your body, and I think that's the really important message that i try and get through till clients of wilderness you are in control of what you put into your body nobody else's mm. you have the right to say what is in your body and this is a way to do it so it's very educational and we're using as many uk herbs as we possibly can or uk plant matter so people can get access to it because the whole sustainability comes in but where we can't grow 360 in because of climate and stuff like that that's why we've bought in now hydraulics to start growing our own and we will start playing around with more tropical stuff as well as we grow so we don't have to bring things over by plane or boat or anything like that so that's where the idea is going how can we now grow our own to to put into our products because the demand is quite it's getting quite high now for what we're doing which is great do you find because i can imagine this like the same kind of Again, same with like the food and, food and drink industry. I think a lot of younger generation coming through it are really con- being conscious about this where yeah. perhaps, you know, there hasn't been. You're finding that it, it, it is younger people interested or are people, older people like to, to be re-educated maybe? A bit of yeah, both. I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. yeah, I definitely think it's a bit of both. And I think that a lot of the education that's done in the salon is is more to the older generation than it is to the younger generation. The younger generation are growing up with this. Um, and they, they just know what they want now. And, you know, when you see us as you return, as, as, as we keep returning after lockdowns, we've grown up a little bit more because we're using this time to really study sustainability. So as you come back next down, after this lockdown in April, you'll see us collecting rainwater to feed our plants. And now we've introduced growing seaweeds and stuff like that. So, and, and the people are, who are coming, they're, they're coming because we're sustainable. They're coming because, you know, we we're got a conscience, but they're coming to learn that little bit more. And I think when an industry who is seen that doesn't do enough, when you, we are the complete opposite, we are to do everything we possibly can. It's um, it's what the young generation want to see, and I think it, it's good for us to be in a in a city that is behind stuff like this. Like we want change in our city. I think we are making huge changes in the food. It needs to in the heart effect now into the into the beauty. So obviously, where do you want to take it? I know I've seen you, uh, if you look on your, obviously your social media, I've seen you doing some in the, in your kitchen or you want to really push that element side of it. Cause it's, it's, it's like, it's almost like two things in one, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so it's, it's really hard for me because wilderness is only 17 months old mm. and we opened in the October, I think it was before yeah. the pandemic in March, before we closed down. And I just started as a mobile hairdresser because I honestly thought people were going to think I was absolutely bonkers. Mm. I thought I was going to have a very small clientele. I was happy with, you know, £200 a week wages. You know, I thought, oh, I'll do us. You know, I don't want the world. And it's grown into very quickly, you know, what it is today where it's getting national press, which is great. So 
seeing where it with the vision now keeps changing as to where it was never meant to be what it is today but to to think about wilderness and the potential that it's got now because of the reaction it's got i'm just like you know what let's just go for it Mm. let's just go as far as we can take this and be a like a pioneer of what we're doing in the industry because it doesn't exist so i definitely see us bringing a product line out for sure because that's already you know started with the shampoo conditioners are going to come out in the next few weeks and then it's definitely now open more salons more micro salons like the one in liverpool across the uk because people are constantly saying can you come here can you come hit there because they still think i'm a mobile hairdresser i can't turn up with a stove (laughs) (laughs) i rent a chair so i need to have like little micro ones now because we are there's nothing like us um so there's a place for us there's plenty of hairdressers across the UK and people are probably thinking, we don't need any more hairdressers. You've never probably been to a hairdresser where you'll cook your own products. No. So it's very educational. And I wanted to sort of, I want to grow the hydraulic side of things for sure. And then we're going to start working more with herbalists. So I've done, you know, I'm in the middle of a qualification in herbalism. I'm doing like a master herbalist course, but I want to get really into it. So as you come to a salon, you know, we've got the herb section, but we've actually got a practitioner working, prescribing herbs, not just for hair. This is a whole well-being thing now. So start moving over into that because with these current climates, the vision's changed again. It's how do we make ourselves pandemic proof? And that now is, I've had to sit with myself for long going, I cannot keep, get, get locked down like this. This will be really damaging to our industry. Yeah. I think the figures for the industry after this we're going to lose 56% of salons across the UK. That's what they reckon will close. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. So we need to now go, okay, how do we survive this? We need to be so much more than a salon. We need to offer so much more. And we are doing as best we can at the moment. But it's now uh, when you, you know, if I'm being honest, I don't believe this is the last lockdown. And that's me being really truthful. I don't believe it's the last pandemic. I think this is a thing that we now have to live with. So um, how do we stay open in a pandemic and be sensible? Okay, I can't physically touch anyone. But when you see Holland's and Barrett's still open and Superdrug, okay, I'm like, well, they're under healthcare and personal care. We definitely fall underneath that. Yeah. And then t- while we're growing with the hydraulics, what food can we produce there? So you can come, you can get some herbs, you can get, you know, herbless, you can get your hair done. And it's making that business pandemic proof, having an online presence, having online education. And it's taken hairdressing salon in a whole new way now because of this pandemic. Um, so I'm excited. It's like a well-being not- centre, isn't it, where you can yeah. get your hair done, basically. Which yeah, is- yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, you make your own product and you go home and you're like, I, I made that and it works. I'd definitely like to move into skin. I'm from a family that suffers with psoriasis and it's always been very a passionate man that there's not enough research done into psoriasis in the UK. I think one in five people in the UK suffer with psoriasis and there's just, for me, there's just not enough um, research gone into helping these people. I deal with a lot of people with psoriasis on the scalp, eczema. I'm really into scalps. Scalps are so interesting. Um, <laughs> sound, disgusting, bad. doesn't it? Sound. <laughs> the scal- the scalps are like a, um, like a window as to what's going on inside the body. It has a different pH than your skin and has a different flora. So by working on more on health and scalps, it has a knock-on effect off into skin because I have to study the skin to look at the scalp and see why we need to treat it different. 
So a lot of people do ask me, can they put the oils that I make onto the skin? And you absolutely can. But there's better ones that you can make for your skin to break through the epidermis levels and target things right underneath there. So, um, yeah, I think the reason why, you know, obviously I'm a hairdresser. I think the skin industry has had so many people making their own products and coming into it. It's been, you know, done and done and done and it's and it works. But no one's touched the hairdressing industry like I'm. I'm breaking down and you know there's met there'll be plenty of hairdressers out there going what is she doing she doesn't need to do this you know and brands and I'm pissing loads of people off I know I am I don't care I just want to deliver safe hair care you know I'm quite controversial in what I'm doing compared to brands but there's more people listening to me than not yeah so it's about breaking the barriers down you use that you like to use apple cider vinegar on scalp as well don't you yeah Um, I love apple cider vinegar and do you know what it's buttons it's absolutely buttons and people are rushing to the doctors and he's prescribing coal tar and yeah. you know, people are using head and shoulders and, and it's just a plaster, you know, it's just a band-aid, just whereas, you know, an apple cider vinegar rinse in most cases can sort a pH level out. A lot of people have skull problems because the pH balance is being knocked off and that can be through diet and stress and products and using mm. um, alkaline products on the hair. You can bring it back into balance after one or two washes. Apple cider vinegar from a supermarket costs three pound fifty. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's about it's about saying we need to save as much money as we can. Yeah. Because we don't know what's going on. And last thing I want my clients to do is going, I've just bought this conditioner for forty five quid from, you know, whoever. And I look at the back and I'm like, What? Like, they just don't need all that. Mm, Come and get some apple. I'm, I'm, you know, we're proving that it works. Apple cider vinegar is brilliant for the hair. So anything that like it, it's acidic. So when we're talking foods, we want to be putting alkaline foods into our body to help with our health. And if you take apple cider vinegar, it turns to alkaline inside the body. But when you put it on topically, it brings it keep it stays acidic. Right. So the scalp and the hair are acidic, and it keep. So if it's gone over the pH seven into an alkaline state. It brings it straight back to the balance. So it, it, it is an amazing thing. That's cool. I'm glad you've said that. I don't need to wash my hair because if I'm going to let my partner to listen to this because I get flack all the time for not washing my hair. One, one because it goes about this big, yeah. but so I can't. But I find that it, it, it yeah, I, I do have to in the end, but it, otherwise. But the thing is, we have to shampoo at, at every now and then because environmental damage. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And if you're exercising and stuff like that, you definitely, you know, you definitely need to remove dead skin cells and stuff like that. But you know, you you with your thickness of hair, which is you know, it's pretty thick, you can get away with shampooing once a month. Mm. And if and if it's going big, then it's the shampoo that you use. And so why not shampoo it then with a with a clay or a volcanic ash? And take away any dirt and stuff, but without disturbing the hair. That's so you good. can still clean. And apple cider vinegar rinses in the shower will clean your hair. Okay, so let's uh, see if we can educate a little bit then, because that was that's a really interesting point. So, what what do you have any particular favourite things that For right? The hair. Yeah, like so something yeah. that might be you know. I'd just be interested to hear. I always try and work with things that you can get from your local supermarket or things that you'll have in your cupboards. So taking it down the food avenue, you, bringing it always back to using food as a blueprint. So you see all these cooking and they go like, you know, um, in your cupboards, you've probably got this, this, and you can make that. But I try and do that with a hair thing. So mm-hmm. you've got curly hair. 
And one of the best ways to control your curly hair is to go to your cupboard. And you might, most people have, and if you can't, you can get it from any supermarket, which is whole flaxseed or linseed. You're going to put them into a pan, 75 grams. You're going to put 400 mils of water, bring it to the boil, and it's going to congeal. So if, if anyone who's listened to this who's made a vegan egg, right. we're looking for that sort of thing. Strain it straight away while it's red hot through a metal, like a mesh strainer, a wire strainer. And then what you're left with is something called mucilage, which is out of the, the flax itself or the linseed. And that is high in protein and it's high in omega-3. As it cools, it thickens and that's a gel. That is the best kale product you will ever use on your hair. Really? In fact, a lot of kale products contain it, but then they also contain all kinds of mad stuff in it that just don't need to be there. So that will you work that through your hair, you know, do a little twisting on a few kales to set it, let it dry. It'll look wet look at first, remember that 80s perm? <laughs> all you need to do is, and, that, and that's called getting a case around it. So it, it tames the kale, it stops the frizz, it feeds it protein, which is what curly hair needs. And, you know, anything we're putting onto our scalps is going to enter our bloodstream. So, yeah, you know, it's really good that we're going to be putting omega-3 where our brain is, let's face mm-hmm. it. And then all you do is you just scrunch your hair, scrunch your curls, and it will completely disappear. And you're left with shiny, bouncy, chemical-free curls that are being hydrated. They've got shine. They're smooth. Brilliant. A bag of flax seeds will cost you 500 grams, £3.50. Yeah. Water out your tap. You've got hair care there for £3.50 for six months. And it, honestly, 95% of the kales that come into our salon are styled with linseeds. Well, linseeds because they grow in the UK. But if you're, they come over with the flax, the American name, and that's what people know them most as. But yeah, grow in the UK. There's a massive linseed farm down south, you know, so you're not, you know, the whole sustainability angle. These are UK grown linseeds that you can get organic. There's two different colours. There's a brown one and a golden one. The brown one's going to give you more hold the gold, than the golden one, but still both are brilliant. And that's it. That's brilliant. That's, the, that's one of the best things you can use on your hair. Then when I say you can eat it, this is how safe these products are. If you're feeling congested and you've got mucus on the lung, pop a little bit of lemon and honey onto a teaspoon of that gel that I've just made and it will break up mucus in the lung. So the medicinal properties of it as well got medicinal properties and i just believe that's how hair care should be especially when we're styling kids here especially like um kate you know kids people are shampooing newborn babies and i'm just like oh the thing one of the reasons why people suffer a lot with dry scalps is through shampoo and you're stripping away the natural oils and then a lot of people suffer with greasy hair that's also because they're shampooing too much so your body is self-healing we know that you know, we watch our, we cut ourselves and our skin heals. So if your scalp is dry, your body will try and heal it by sending it oils. Mm. And then that's what the grease is. And then we go, oh my God, greasy hair, shampoo it straight away. And then we strip the oils. So we're in a vicious circle. So people are then shampooing every day. That's a lot of chemicals you're putting onto your scalp every single day. And herbalists, you know, there's a, there's a whole science, like people say, whatever you put on your scalp goes into your bloodstream. And I do believe that. But then the people say, well, no, not, it's not on long enough. Or you're only using a small amount of these chemicals. They won't do any harm. But that small amount of chemical, if you've been shampooed from birth, is now a whole lot of chemical. Mm. And the is, 
you know, there's hormone altering chemicals in these parabens and sulfates and stuff like that. And we just don't, there's just no place for them when we, when we don't need them. We're being completely controlled by the big brands that tell us we, we all know that advert where the girls shampoo with a hair in a waterfall mm. and we can see it all foam and, you know, not to name any brands, but it's just not how we are meant to shampoo. It's just, you just don't need detergents on our hair. Their body is self-healing. The hair will clean itself. But, you know, I shampoo. I'm not going to sit here and say I don't shampoo. Of course I shampoo. But I make my own so I know what's going in it. And I use clays from the earth. Yeah. That have got healing benefits. So, you know, with my shampoo, I'm constantly getting people messaging me saying, my scalp has been in bits since using your shampoo. I feel like it's healing. People suffering with, um, like, a disease where you pull at your hair like a nervous. Right. So you get ball patches. And the hair's growing back yeah. because of the healing clays that we use in it. So how how accessible is the are the clays? So very accessible. A lot of places in the UK sell it. The clay that I use is from Morocco. So we only so and that's something that I'm like I want to use as much UK as I can, but we don't have that healing clay in in the UK. But you can buy it. You know you can buy it online. I've been experimenting with cryolin clay, which is clay from Cornwall. Been doing a few experiments with that, but it's just not as good as Rasool clay, which is from the Atlas Mountains, which is high in silica, which is what we need for our hair. It's high in magnesium and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, so how do you get that? How do you buy that? You can just go online and type in Rasool clay. Yes. You know, and this isn't just something that you can use as a, as a mask for your hair, as a scalp mask. You can put down your face as well. Um, the Middle Eastern communities in like and and India as well. It's huge in India as part of the beauty regime. Like this is this isn't something that I'm bringing out. This is looking for help from other countries and going, where did we all go wrong here? And then going, oh, wait a minute, this is nice and cheap. This is ethnically sourced. This is pumping money back into communities that need it. Why would we not use it? Yeah, there's a big there's a big angle there. There's probably a lot to learn across the world. There's probably oh huge. Is there different techniques in in different parts of the world? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I'm really interested in the um, into the Thai shampoo at the moment, right. and I, I can't get it. Uh, so basically, kaffir lime shampoo is something that is is an old ancient thing in in Thailand. It's an old shampoo. So that's what they, they use, they shampoo the hair. And I've taken that technique that they use and applied it with other fruits and vegetables from that we can get in the UK. We can get kaffir lime leaves, but the lime itself doesn't taste like a lime that we know. So mm. there's no use for it in a culinary dish over here, so we don't seem to import it. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can get it, I reckon, in London somewhere, in like, you know, a nice Thai supermarket. But again, I have tried to find it and I can't. I can get the leaves, but not the lime. But I'm really like, I'd like to go and explore the countries and see how they used to do it. And, you know, even in, going back to ancient Egypt, looking at looking at what they used to do, they used to use yarrow on their hair, which grows abundantly in the UK. You probably walk past yarrow most days and, and not even notice what it can do. But it's all antiseptic and antibacterial yarrow. It's really good. So any scalp, fungus or... You know, like psoriasis where we scratch it and it's yarrow on that is really good, really good healing. Yeah, there must be a lot of the world that actually don't have accessibility to these products either, you know, that you're talking about. They're yeah. too expensive for them. So there must be lots of 
Oh God, there is. Yeah. And you know, when you look at sort of tribes in the Amazon, that you know, they're not shampoo and hair. <laughs> Course, so no. they're just you're not gonna see them with a bottle of hair essences in a waterfall, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But so but you look at them and you're like, well, we wouldn't particularly say they are glutated. What it is is they've got a great diet and a really good diet, so they've got really healthy hair and the hair is self-cleaning. Mm. It's just something what we all bring it back down to constantly every time I'm looking at like tribes or you know, in Chinese or Japanese and Thai and stuff like that. What they what they are is they have got freedom from like the social media, the the aesthetically what we think we need to look like the insecurities, perfect beautiness and stuff like that. That's what we're trapped in, and that's why we are. When I always do my research to bring it back down, so we just want to look like other people. We always inspire them to look like oh look at her head, it's amazing, you know. Cheryl Curl, she's got loads of hair extensions in. It's not her hair, mm. but we don't know that if you're not a hairdresser. So we're always going. Well, do you obviously use that brand? And it's they get us from a vanity point of view. They get us from our insecurities, and that's why we're using them. But like you said, the other countries in more remote places of the world, they don't shampoo. They got that bloody brilliant hair. <laughs> no, no, you're right. So you, I know you mentioned then about like going out into nature and. Yes. Almost, well, foraging, I suppose. Foraging. Yeah. 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 So foraging for food first. Yeah. That's, you know, that's where me, the middle of four have come. Being a bit obsessed with mushrooms, I absolutely hate mushrooms, but I'm fascinated by them. <laughs> so, like, I don't like, yeah, I'm just like, they freak me out. But, you know, one of them things that you just like, you can't stop looking at. You, you're, you're like, oh, but you're obsessed with it. Yeah. So, um, you know, looking at looking at that and then looking at foraging for foods and then thinking, okay, well what what if this has got silica in then surely it's it's good for the hair. Okay, let's start putting it on the hair and see what difference it makes. And that literally just started with my love affair of nettles. I just love nettles. They're so good. And I just hate the fact that we're all taught don't go near the nettles because they're gonna, you know, from a young child but we yeah. fear them. Only because they hurt when they sting. But the nutrition and the mineral value of nettles is insane. Like, and it's free. They grow everywhere all year round. So nettles are really high in silica. So, you know, we bring nettles to the boil. We heat it up. We crack open them cell walls. We withdraw the medicinal properties and we rinse hair with it in the salon. It's brilliant. Mm -hmm. You know, and eat nettles as well. You know, throw nettle pesto, bit Mm -hmm. of pasta. It's gorgeous. So, yeah, we do forage quite a lot, uh, but I only forage for personal use because yeah. that's all we're allowed to. So anything, um, and this is why I want any to start growing my own because I'm not allowed to forage to make products with and sell to the UK market unless I've got permission from a landowner. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, with the seaweeds, we buy seaweeds in, even though it's all over the beach. Right. Like, bladderwack is everywhere. Like, that's, a, that's another thing. Bladderwack's amazing. But I'm not allowed to take that from the sea. And nor do I want to. I don't want to take from the sea. I want to protect the coastline and stuff. Um, so we, that's why we're looking to grow on our own now. So it's, we can forage ourselves from the, you know, from a from the salon. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff that you can forage for the hair. So like like I said, yara, that that's brilliant. And even down to foraging for drinks in the salon. Yeah. So making our own coffee which is the next thing. So we'll have our own coffee this year made from dandelions. Right, right. Cool. So 
you know, it's it's, it's just it, every by involving plants into what I do, it just keeps opening all the doors. Yeah. And I and as little as serving drinks in the salon, you know, what can we what can we forage to serve in the drink? Mm-hmm. So then when you've come, you've like we've picked your drink, we've made it, we've done your hair, we've done everything like that. So it's um it's good that I've had the food industry as a blueprint for yeah. sure. Yeah. You're saying nettles, I was nettles is massive in Eastern culture for its medicinal properties with tea and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And then we have like abundantly growing here, this mugwort. And people don't know what mugwort looks like. And it's so easy to identify once you know it. And you'll see it everywhere. Now, mugwort is Japanese in its roots. It was actually brought over to the UK. But it's got a lot of healing benefits for women, for menopausal women. So definitely go and forage some mugwort. Now, our palettes change from from a bitter palette that we used to have to more of a, a sweeter palette. And mugwort was used to used to be used in a lot of dishes because they have a different taste palette over there than you know unfortunately ours in the UK has gone really sweet doesn't taste nice but you can definitely get it in your tea and start drinking mugwort for its health benefits I mean be careful it's going to make you lucid dream that's <laughs> one of the things that it does but it's brilliant like I love lucid dreams they're not nightmares by any means but they're very like well what was that all about I love stuff like that so mugwort you know people say it helps your astro project which is quite interesting oh, yeah. and it, this is dating it all right back to pagan times where it was used have you been watching the thing on Netflix about that no no behind the eyes or something like that it's about astro projecting okay. got a massive twist everyone's talking about it at the minute and but it's about that. Yeah, that's interesting. And partner lucid dreams. Quite a lot yeah. yeah. It's that. quite powerful. Mm, that's it's quite powerful once you once you start to like think about it. But it, what it does is um, it taps into the 95% of the brain that we don't use. Mm. And it's there for a reason. <laughs> a lot of a lot of lot of study there, and then you know when you're going on to your mushrooms, your psychedelic mushrooms. You know, we've got three varieties of psychedelics in the UK. You'll walk past most of them. But people only know like the Liberty Cap, but you know psychedelic mushrooms now are, have got trials in Canada for depression. Yeah, right. So it's, it's these plants that's happening to ninety five percent of that brain, and and all their chemical, you know, like for like what they're doing to the brain plants are amazing mm. so why would you not introduce them into your work if you can we've got so much to learn the only thing that has flourished the most which we all know through this pandemic besides amazon is is nature you know and it's it's got our back hasn't it yeah and you see you see when obviously things the world's healing in, in a sense isn't it when you're seeing yeah. that humans are not going around that if you, you definitely you know, things are coming back into oceans and stuff like that. And, you know, I think it's, you know, these things have to be taken forward into, into well, post-pandemic, you know what I mean? And it's, yeah. you've got to have elements of, I hate that, do you know what? I hate that new normal word, but you know what I mean? It, yeah. The, we need to get back to normal, but bring these things with us and, and be conscious yeah. of it, surely. What we've learned. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's, I think, I've learned patience. I've, I've learned patience, definitely. Well, yeah, the other thing we have in common is you have twins as well. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how we really got on. It was like, you got twins, and I was like, absolutely, it's okay. have I. It's hard. You know Just while you were talking about it, I try and explain, maybe you can explain as well. It's like people have twins, it's double trouble. I would say it's actually like three, four times. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, because when, when we have one, 
it's like that when they're together it's not just double it's like amplified it's like a gang yeah it's like a gang against you isn't it and i can't explain that to yeah, no. experienced it it's hard work it's um it's another level like i've got you know i've got older children as well and they were just single pregnancies and i'm just a bit like what the hell like this i you know when when we planned having a child and we got twins the fear was just like, oh my god! And I'm like, it'll be all right once the year, it'll be all right, and it, and it, it hasn't been. It's just big trouble from day one. I mean, double the love as well. You do get double the love, you get triple the love. But yeah. when it's triple the love, it's like it's my mum. No, it's my mum. It's my mum. I mean, one thing that we've both got is great partners. That like I've got the patience of a saint because my my husband's a stay at home dad with yeah. my kids, and I don't know how he does it. I literally. I'm up at five o'clock in the morning on my way to work before they get up, <laughs> legging it out the door. So, I've had to learn a lot of patience during this just this lockdown um, because, yeah. yeah, it's been hard. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, it is difficult. How old are yours now? Three. Yeah, so ours, are the, ours are similar age. Look. So ours, are, ours will be four this July, but we've just made the, a bold decision to hold them back a year in school. Oh, right. Um, yeah. So obviously, I've got other children who've gone through the education system, and the education system failed me big time. You know, the school I went to was awful. It sat me in a room with a sign on the door saying special needs. Mm. And I honestly didn't think I was capable of anything. Mm. And naturally, that's why I went into a what is seen as a low skilled job as hairdressing. Mm. And that's what they say about, you know, hospitality and yeah, yeah. be seen as a low skilled job. And it couldn't be further from the truth. But now, as a as an older as an older woman, like well, say an older, I'm thirty. God, how old am I now? Thirty seven. Oh my god, I've started to study things that I never ever thought that I would be able to study. I understand plants like I've never understood anything before in my life besides hairdressing. And if that was exposed to me at a younger age, I I'd sit and wonder what what I could have been. Like I could have done this a lot earlier. And I believe that they put too much pressure on the children to start school at the age of four. I just don't think it's right. Yeah. And I have a son who's born in the July and he's never met any milestones in school. And Mm. I was always like, you're putting him against someone who was born in September. That's nearly a year older. This is, this is all completely backwards. So, you know, when they say, you know, in the nursery, they go to like a Montessori nursery, which is great. And then a Norwegian, lady runs it mm. and she's like oh they're a bit behind they're a bit behind and I'm like but well, they were premature they shouldn't actually be in this year yeah, yeah. they should have been in the year below but they're not behind because my three-year-old twins can come to the forest with me and identify plants that people don't even know what, what are mm. so I'll go and say go and get me some yarrow and they'll go to the fields and get yarrow and they know what mushrooms they can eat and what they can't and mm. what plants to stay away from and they know what nettles do so they're definitely not behind, but I've chose to teach them a different way. And by holding them back a year, I get an extra year, this really crucial age of a sponge age, yeah. to teach them the education that I want them to go through, which is being out in nature more and teaching them how to forage and how to cook at such a young age. My three-year-old makes her own medicine. So mm. if she has a cough, she knows, she goes, Mom, I need to make medicine. She's three. She okay. gets the honey out. Or, you know, and she'll she'll put plants in it, like thyme and stuff like that. And it's a learning them from the lifestyle that I've chosen to live now. Mm. And they can do it. So, but, you know, it's, it's good. Yeah, we've got to improve. Like, it's all, I'm a big advocate of, like, trying to get 
and some of them want to let's research and pushing you know a reception ages and 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 nursery you know education like that to learning about you know great what you're saying already and then you know how how to cook how what to put in your body you know i do a lot of growing at home and they, they want to learn when they see it from seed rather seeing it from seed isn't it rather than what's on your plate yeah and, and the process of it and they engage in it like you say once they do it like a sponge yeah 100 i mean we we are ours are born in august so we we have had that conversation actually like hmm you know because they're gonna go to school this year it's like we have spoken yeah. about well but not sure i've started yeah. reading this book by the way this week raising good humans raising good humans yeah. is this the joe wicks one or that, no that's uh, i've seen joe wicks was doing one about being calm <laughs> yeah this is what it is well like we were saying before do you know what i mean obviously you're getting tested and um you know i'm very kind of mindful anyway but i think you can always improve but this book is just about yeah i thought you know what Someone recommended to me. I think, yeah. <laughs> I, think I need to read. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. yeah I've got the, I've got a mix. I've got teenagers that are just oh. like you know stroppy as anything, and I've got the, I've got the other ends where I've got these you know three year olds that just want everything from me. <laughs> just like ah, yeah. So just so, you personally as well, you like to kind of. Um, I know you've got like a, a van that you kind of take out to the forest and stuff. The camp. Yeah. Camp. yeah. Is that, is that yeah, so it's um yeah, I would love to, I would love the van life, I really would. But let's face it, I'm gonna need to get a double decker bus on I there's six kids in total in our house. So like you know, we me and my husband both had children from previous relationships, two each, in fact. And then when we got married, we were definitely not having any more kids. And then, yeah, and then we got caught with twins. Well, we planned to have the twins, but we didn't well, we planned to have one and we got one extra bonus, which is lovely, but um, definitely would love the van life. We got the van last year because I really struggled being told to I'm locked down. Mm. I really struggled. Mm. And I wanted to be have that freedom. Um, so we bought a an old 80s LT, B, a BW LT Mark IV, the thinking man's camper van, it's called. <laughs> um yeah, and uh, we've we went out when we were allowed to last year. I think we went. August, I think it was, to Wales. And yeah, I just love getting out, especially when I think the twins were teething and they had a temperature and um, something last year. And we'd be getting building work done in the house. And I just literally packed the van up, drove to a forest, opened all the doors, and just let them sleep in this like tree medicine, it's called. Let them breathe. And it was peaceful. There was no technology. It was just bird song. And I was foraging and I was, you know, looking at what was around me to put in tea to help them drink and stuff like that. And to have that freedom of this van, of all things, was amazing. It was so good. So we we definitely want to do more in the van this year. And that might be me going to different places in the UK and, you know, doing appointments from the van or whatever. I don't know. But I, I would definitely, if, if people can get one, get a camper van. Be camp van, doesn't matter. Just having that freedom to sleep outside and not have to be like on booking a hotel or, mm. you know, being self-sufficient and, you know, kids love it. The elder kids hate it. They're like, don't even draw, like, don't even come near the school <laughs> in that one. <mom."> <laughs> but the, the younger, the twins are like, we, we literally, you know, we live in Waterloo. We drive to Bebo Bank. We just open the back doors and you can literally see from the van, you can just see the water. And even that for mental health, Mm. is so good 
Yeah. And we just, we just sit there all night. I go go swimming in the sea every every Saturday. Did the cold water therapy, the Wim Hof. Yeah. And I drive down in the van, and I go in the sea. And there's a few of us, and then we sort of all go back to our cars. And I've got tea and coffee in the van to heat everyone up. And you know, it's um, they do that all the time down south, but we just don't utilize our beach like that. No, yeah. no, we don't. The problem, the problem is as well though. This sometimes the coastline can be brings in a lot of rubbish. You can see what's actually it in does. the sea, didn't you? And it's quite hard. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of plastic in the Mersey, and I think it's one of the most polluted and stuff like that. But like you know, you're only in there for three minutes. It's that cold, so it's it's. But it's we you know we litter pick, especially yeah. you know last last summer it was horrendous on the beach because we was people were locked down. They had nowhere to go. So all these people that were meant to be you know, on nights out or in bars and restaurants. Yeah. The next minute they were all at the beach. And when they're coming from different places, they don't they don't care about the beach as much as as much as people that live here like me. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I get up at five o'clock every morning, I go to bed at half seven of a night. And mm-hmm. I'm up at five because I, you know, I do some time on my own before the twins, you know, get mm-hmm. up and cause absolute mayhem. <laughs> so I have time to study in from five to like seven. Uh, but last year I was walking on the beach and I was doing mantras and I was getting really into like Hare Krishna music. Don't know why, but it was just made me feel really good. And then the, there was still parties going on on the beach. And I was like, I'm going to take a bin bag. And they're going, yeah, I love like putting stuff in my rubbish bag. And I, <laughs> and I was just like, oh. and these are from like Manchester and Leeds and stuff like that. And you're just like, I don't mind you coming, but take your shit home. You know, my kids play here. We live here. So... You know, it it is sad when you see it. But other things that wash up is bladder whack. Mm. Bladder whack is amazing. It's amazing. It's got like I think it's forty seven of the vitamins and minerals that your body needs to survive right. in one teaspoon. It helps your hair grow. It regulates your thyroid gland. It's amazing. Was it? And that's something. That, um, Blazerac, I normally got a little bit hanging around because it's like, what is this now? It looks um, like see, but you'll notice it. So it's dark in colour. If you hold it up to the light, it's green, it's like a dark khaki green. And it's got like little bubbles on it. So it's the classic yeah. seaweed, like a like a like a hand sort of thing. And it's got like little sort of bubbles on it. Um, it's a natural sunscreen. So you can um clean it up, boil it down, like boil it, soften it. Blitz it, you can rub it on your skin. It's a natural, it's a natural sunscreen. But you know, you can eat it. I put it in my conditioners because it helps hair grow and stuff like that. Brilliant. That's that's another thing that washes up on the beach, which is good. Yeah. I think people we've got like the Oglet Shore as well down um them ways. And people think sometimes we think, oh, it's dirty down here. And it's actually it's the stuff getting washed in, you know, when the tides off. And it's like yeah. it's sad really to see. But hopefully it's definitely not as bad as it was anyway. So it needs to just... I mean, this is something that this is an ongoing thing. So, you know, this will unfortunately for our younger children will be a it'll be something we're used they're used to seeing. We're not used to seeing rubbish brush up because we remember the beaches when they were clean. Yeah. But unfortunately, this is something that is not gonna stop until there's a world law against dumping in the sea, which is never gonna happen because there's nowhere else to dump stuff. So that's where we have to be more sustainable. And that goes for products, you know, something as simple as products that are washed down the drains. Yeah. You know, their pollution, they they harm aquatic life. Mm. So, you know, we've got a long way to go, but we have to start somewhere. And sometimes it's a thing, what is my salon going to make a difference? But I might make a huge footprint, but hopefully what I can do is I can inspire people to go into a more sustainable way that has a knock-on effect on health as well, as well as the planet. Definitely. 
But it has to, you know, it has to start at home as well. It has it? to start somewhere, yeah. Cool. So just finally, and uh, have you got a moment in your life or career that you can pinpoint that is kind of, you know, where you thought things were bad, but it's kind of pushed you forward? It was probably, yeah, it, it was probably in, in 2017 when I decided to leave the hairdressing industry because of what was, how it was with chemicals and it broke my heart. I absolutely love my job and I love making people feel good. I haven't got a job. I've got a hobby that I unfortunately get paid for, paid to do. So having to leave that broke me in, into pieces. And from that, then it was like it was, I was not going to let it go easily. And that's then what drove me to how do I come back? And it was it was plant. It, it was that was the turning point. Had I not experienced the the heartache of leaving the industry I wouldn't have had what I've got today so that was definitely a turning point in my I had to be I had to hear to heal I like that and it was weeds that helped me through it plants. <laughs> you know it was stuff that I forged yeah like yes yeah, so that's it he tied it all in so just you know and finally where can people just start at home and also where can these find out more about this stuff so obviously throughout your your social media or etc yeah so obviously I come at it from a hair point of view, but I always dip in a little bit of health. And you can start at home today. You have got stuff to start herbalism today at home. So you've got a pair of legs, go out and collect some some plants. So let's start with some weeds. So go and collect yourself some young nettles and infuse them into an olive oil at home. So put your nettles into a sterile jar, get some olive oil, pour it on, let it sit for four weeks Take it, take it out, and then you've got yourself a lovely body oil. Um, nettles are really good for eczema, psoriasis, stuff like that, the antimicrobial. So, you know, that's how easy it is in fusing. And then you build from there. You start building your herbal pantry from there. Apple cider vinegar. If go and get some. Take it to the next level by putting rosemary in. These are all things you can get from your supermarket if you haven't already got them at home. Mm-hmm. And start infusion. This is how you do it. Everything starts from infusion, which drawing the medicinal properties. Cool. And where can you find out more? What, what social media? Um, <laughs> yeah, no. So I have now been building up some videos. So if you buy a shampoo from me, it has a QR code. This is coming this month. And then you scan the QR codes and it'll take you to my online workshops that you'll get for free. And I tell you instead, it take you through the processes of what's in it and how you can make it bigger. So You'll get your, you know, your shampoo with your clays. This is how you add coconut milk to it and start the herbalism journey that way. I'm going to be doing a lot more online education. I am. I'm going to hopefully do a little cooking show. So that's taking it out into the wilds and bringing it back in. So have a little look on. I do a lot of things through Instagram. I just refuse to get TikTok. I'm too old for that now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Instagram and online, you know, wilderness.com. Okay, cool. Well, um. Thank you very much for... Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you asking me. So I hope you you all learned something new throughout that. And I thought, you know, thanks for Louise coming on. It's a really interesting insight into what she does. Uh, Thanks for listening as always. A big thanks to Aptus Audio for all your editing needs. Killer Crabman for the music. And Louise for making this another great In The Weeds episode. Next week, we're off to LA to speak to hospitality hero Josh Capel. And we get an insight from what's happening in California. So thanks again for listening, guys. See you next week. Thanks and stay safe. Bye.